continue our sermon series um, in Up, In and Out this morning. And Up represents our upward relationship with God. In represents our inward relationship with other believers. And Out represents our outward relationship to the world. And this morning, we're talking about Up. And I'm taking up the topic of prayer this morning. And you might be like, ah, prayer, kind of boring. What's up with that? Pastor Thomas, give me something better, something more exciting. Well, two stories to share regarding why I'm picking up the topic of prayer this morning. Story number one. I, um, my sister's family invited my wife and I to have dinner with a couple of friends. And it was a beautiful dinner, very pleasant evening. That is, until it turned to the topic of the presidential race. Oh, man. And my friend, he got livid. His whole countenance changed. He became a different person. He was angry and he was enraged. And he began to exclaim, Did you know that 50% of Americans did not vote in the last election? Shame on them. How disgraceful. And then he began to ask me, Thomas, what about you? Are you, are you like these other pastors that have your head in the sand? And then soon I found myself on trial for all the pastors of the world. And he made me feel this small, man. And for the remainder of the evening, he kept grilling me and grilling me. You see, this presidential race is really bringing out the worst in people. It's separating us and dividing us. And we are playing right into the hands of the enemy who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. We need to be a people of prayer. In fact, I, I don't know if you noticed this, on Facebook, there has been a great increase in the number of posts regarding politics and the presidential race. A lot of Christians and a lot of pastors are leaving snarky comments and mean-spirited remarks as it re- relates to the presidential race. In fact, You won't believe this. There is this mature pastor that I know, and I've actually witnessed him, witnessed him on Facebook having a mean-spirited argument with someone else regarding the presidential race. And in my opinion, there's a much more, much more better place to leave your comments, your remarks, and your suggestions, and that is before the throne of God. We need to be a people of prayer. Second story. The second story is this. About um, Usually twice a week I pick up my niece and nephew. They're twins. Their name is um, Abigail and Matthew. And they're six years old and they go to school here. They're in the first grade. And so there was this uh, one day uh, about a month ago that I was picking up the twins after school. And right out here I, I saw... This, this group of middle schoolers, these teenagers, circled around two of their friends. And, and they're cheering on for these two guys to beat each other up, to punch each other out. And, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh. And, and this holy frustration and this holy anger rose up in me. And they probably could have beat me up, but I yelled, cut it out. 
All of you, get out of here right now. And you should have seen, man, you've been proud of me, man. And they all dispersed just like that, man. And I was like, oh, good thing I didn't get beaten up, man. These kids are huge. But, you know, it's not only happening among our young people in our own backyard, but it's happening all over the nation and all over the world. There's this spirit of fear and pain of brokenness, and it's expressing itself outwardly in the form of acts of rage and violence and anger. Church, we need to be a people of prayer. And so I'm taking on the topic of prayer this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. In, in the book of Matthew um, chapter 6 here, uh, Jesus is uh, teaching his disciples on three common practices. And the three common practices that Jesus is teaching on is the, the practice of almsgiving, giving to those in need. And then secondly, prayer. And then thirdly, fasting. And so regarding the topic of prayer, listen to what Jesus says. He says this. He says, this then is how you should pray. And then he goes on and says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. And many of you have recited and prayed the Lord's Prayer. Many down through the centuries have prayed the Lord's Prayer. And I love to pray the Lord's Prayer. I find great joy and comfort in praying the Lord's Prayer. And I'm believing that as we actually pray the Lord's Prayer, it's actually only scratching the surface though. But And as we dig deeper into the Lord's Prayer, we'll begin to appreciate the beauty of the Lord's Prayer even more. And so this morning we're going to dive deeper into the Lord's Prayer. And so the Lord's Prayer has kind of six segments to it, six parts, uh, six elements to the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to take each element in turn. We're going to take the first three elements this Sunday and the last three elements next Sunday. And so for the first segment of the Lord's Prayer, it says this. It says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And the first segment relates to the Father's character, relates to what the Father is like, the Father's character. And it's kind of like this. Imagine that you have this blank sheet of paper in the spiritual. And imagine that you put on the top of your blank sheet of paper the Father's character. And then you fill that blank sheet of paper with prayer regarding the Father's character. And so the question is, what is the Father's character like? Well, in your bulletin, I provided a list of some of the attributes of God that's found in the Bible. And this is only a partial list. This list is from a wonderful Christian organization called The Navigators. 
And so here's a list. Uh, go ahead and pull that list out, in fact. It's in your bulletins. If you don't have a bulletin, raise your hand and one of the ushers can get you a bulletin. Let's see. And so let's take a look at some of the names of God on this list. It says, um, God is omnipotent. And that means that God is all-powerful. That means there's nothing too difficult for our God. And then it says God is good. This talks about the goodness of God, that God is a kind God, that God is a benevolent God, that God is love. And then God is Jehovah Jireh, which, which means God is our provider. God meets our needs according to His riches and glory. And then it also says God is Jehovah Shalom, which, is, which means God is our peace. And so... This is some of the attributes of God. You can actually, during your prayer time, maybe pick one, two, or three of these attributes, these characters of God, and go deeper in prayer regarding who God is. When I was a a kid, we used to play something called marbles when I was in elementary school like this. Anybody remember marbles? Some of you, yeah, some of you kids don't remember marbles. You don't know about marbles, man. Marbles are awesome. You should get off your devices and play marbles. It's so much fun, man. So here we go. So there's, uh, I used to love to play marbles. Now, in marbles, there's different um, size, sizes to marbles. It's a solid, circular object. There's different sizes to it. To, to it. Um, there's a really, really small size, and we used to call it the peewees, the peewee size marbles. And then there was the, the really big ones, and, and we used to call it bambuchas. Those are bambucha marbles, man. And so I remember this one day, I'm, I'm in school, and um, it's, it's, all, it's after school, still on the school campus, and this, uh, this bully, his name is Kalei, he comes up to me, and he says, Hey, bro, show me your marbles. I'm like, oh, man. And so I pull out my marbles, and, he, and he's like, Hey, bruh, I play you for that one. And I'm like, no, that's like my favorite, favorite marble in the world. And he's like, he wants to challenge me to take my favorite marble in the world. Now, there's different ways of shooting your marble, right? There's the basic way where you kind of aim with one eye and you kind of flick the marble like this, hoping to crush your marble into your opponent's marble. And then there's this other way where uh, it's kind of like putting, where you kind of put your marble in here and you use your thumb to kind of flick it. And, it, and hopefully it rolls and it, it crashes into your opponent's marble. Well, the technique I use is, is I, I think it's superior. Um, you actually use this finger, uh, use this finger as, a, as a homing device. And then you, you do this and, and you flick the marble and it crashes into your opponent's marble. And, and, and usually it works. It's usually a very good technique. You should try it, man. It works awesome. Like this. Bam. Boom. And, and, the, and, your guy, and the, the opponent, he'll be like so sad, man. And so Kalei is like, come on, let's challenge. And so, and so we're, we're playing this game of marbles, me against the bully of the school, Kalei. And, and, the, and this, this game is heating up. And then all of a sudden, I see, I see a vulnerability. I see an advantage, man, and I seize the moment, and I bust out this superior technique, and I aim, and I fire, 
And it crashes into Kalei's marble and I crush his spirit and I, and I crush his dreams and his hopes and I win and, and I'm victorious. And then Kalei goes, bruh, we go jump in a pool for the marbles. And I'm like, dude, I just won fair and square. And he's like, no, bruh, we go jump in a pool for the marble. And so we're playing junk in a pole for the marble. And it's 2-2. Kalei has two and I have two. And this is the last point. The last point wins. And he does this. He goes, ready? Junk in a pole. And he does this. He's like, dude, I win. And I'm like, dude, what is that? And he's like, dude, this is God. Nothing can beat God. And he proceeds to grab my marble and he walks away, and I stand there stunned like, dude, what just happened? You see, Calais understood with childlike faith the character of God. He understood that nothing can beat God, brah. He understood that God is almighty, that God is invincible, that God is huge and enormous, that God is almighty and powerful, that He is supreme and sovereign, that there is none like our God. You see, He understood that there there is nothing that can beat God. And so, this can be a time as you reflect on the character of God. It can remind you of who He is. And you know what it does? It pleases God. It pleases God when, when we pray and, and thank Him for His character and thank Him for who He is. But you know what it also does? It changes you. It changes your heart. It changes your perspective as you recalibrate, realizing how big and how awesome and how wonderful and how loving and how powerful our Father is. Amen? All right. So that's the first part of the Lord's Prayer. Now the second segment of the Lord's Prayer is this. And so we have, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then it's, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the second part of the Lord's Prayer relates to the Father's kingdom. The Father's kingdom. Now, the word kingdom is a confusing word. It's a confusing word because we don't use kingdom language today. And so what does kingdom mean? I like um, what this professor at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary said about, about kingdom. He had this definition for kingdom, and I think it's very useful. It'll help us out. And here's the definition for kingdom according to Professor Jeffrey Authors. He says, kingdom is the place you have arranged to suit your purposes and values. Kingdom is an environment arranged according to how you like it. So it's kind of like this. He gives the illustration of a car. And he says, the car, my car, is my kingdom. And so how it goes is something like this. 
My car, I have the seat racked all the way back because of my long legs, right? And my seat is reclined just right so that I'm not driving like some nerd like this, right? I'm kind of back here like this. And then my steering wheel is kind of tilted to exactly kind of how I like, just like this. So I can just use one hand instead of two. Don't listen to me, you young people. So, Abigail, two hands. But anyway, one hand, and then my arm is kind of dangling out like this. You know, that's just kind of how I roll. And so I'm like this. And, and I have my music, and my music is turned to the correct station that I like. Right? And the bass and the treble is exactly fitting my needs, right? And so my car is kind of like my kingdom. And so kingdom is simply a place where you're, you, you control, a place of authority, a place where you have rule. So the car is my kingdom, right? Okay, so we get that. Now, God's kingdom is called heaven. God's kingdom is called heaven. The Bible often refers to God's kingdom as the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. You see, heaven is arranged to suit God's purposes and values. Heaven is an environment that's arranged according to how God likes it. And so, in heaven, people don't get hurt. People don't get abused and violated. Instead, people are treated with dignity and respect because it's God's kingdom, and that's how God likes it. And so, in heaven, there's no fighting or lying or cheating. Instead, people are valued and loved because it's God's kingdom, and that's how God likes it. Now, there's something else about God's kingdom. The Bible also says that God is king over all the earth. That the earth is also God's kingdom. Now, this is kind of tricky. It's tricky because of this. It doesn't seem like the earth is arranged to suit God's purposes and plans and values. You see... There's war and violence. There's disease and poverty. There's abuse. There's addiction and greed. And it doesn't appear like the earth is arranged according to how God likes it. And so there's this tension. And so scholars, theologians, people who study God have a, have a term for this tension. And the tension is called now and not yet. The kingdom of God is now and the kingdom of God is not yet. The kingdom of God is now in that God has broken through and intersected human history when Jesus was born in the manger. So we get a taste of the kingdom now. But the kingdom is not yet, in that we will not experience the fullness of the kingdom until Jesus returns again. So we live in a kingdom that is now and not yet. Now 
and not yet. And so, that's why Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's actually an invitation to pray that the Father's kingdom be expanded from up there to down here, from heaven to earth. I like what pastor and author John Ortberg says. He uses this phrase, For thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And here's the phrase. I love this phrase. It says this. He says, Make up there, come down here. Make up there, come down here. I love that phrase. And so when you see people that are being treated unfairly, you pray, oh God, make up there, come down here. When you see people that experience domestic violence and abuse, you pray, oh God, make up there, come down here. When you see hunger and poverty, you pray, oh God, make up there, come down here. When you see injustice in the world, you pray, oh God, make up there, come down here. When you have a friend that's broken and hurting, you pray, oh God, make up there, come down here. When you get hurt by someone or, or maybe someone is hurt that, that you know, you can pray, oh God, make up there, come down here. And so, the second part, the second segment, the second um, part of the Lord's Prayer is the Father's Kingdom. The Father's Kingdom. And then finally, the third segment. And so we have, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then give us this day our daily bread. And that relates to the Father's provision. The Father's provision. And so here is an invitation. It's kind of like, again, that blank sheet of of paper in the spiritual. And you put on the top of that blank sheet of paper the Father's provision. And then you begin to fill that blank sheet of paper with prayer regarding your specific needs. And, And as you pray your specific needs or the needs of your loved ones or co-workers, keep this in mind. Keep in mind that God is creator of heaven and earth and sea and all that is in it. Keep in mind that God is not a scarce God. God is not a stingy God. God is a kind God. God is a generous God. God is an abundant God. Keep that in mind. Keep in mind that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills when you pray for God's provision. So ask specifically with great confidence that God owns everything. Amen. And so the third part is to pray the Father's provision. And so that's the first three segments of the Lord's Prayer. And you you can go deeper on any of those segments. And then next week we're going to look at the last three segments of the Lord's Prayer. You know, I, I really want us to be a praying church. I want to be a praying pastor And I would love for you to be a praying people. 
And so I want to give you a challenge. And the challenge is this. I want to call us to 40 days of prayer. If we started today, which is October 2, 40 days is actually right the day right after the presidential race. That's 40 days. 40 days of prayer. I have a, uh, a friend in California that just also planted a church. And um, it's really cool because uh, he challenged his church to something called the next slide, which is 111. 111, a prayer challenge. And I want to challenge us to 111. And what does 111 mean? It means this one minute. Once a day at 1 o'clock. One minute, once a day at 1 o'clock to pray. And you'll see, you'll find that, that one minute goes by like that and you'll be praying longer as, as, as we near the end of 40 days of prayer. But I would encourage you to start somewhere. One minute, once a day at 1 o'clock. One, one, one. And you can actually set your phone to 1 o'clock. And then when 1 o'clock comes up, you just take a one-minute break, a water break or a a restroom break. Sit on the toilet, the throne. (laughs) Sometimes I like to do that. And just pray, you know. One, one, one. One minute, once a day, at 1 o'clock. Amen.